People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Today, Today we're going to be talking to Richard Another Redlin, incredible actor. actor, and he's also a hypnotherapist, so he's we a, have to watch ourselves. He's a hip hypnotherapist, yes. too. And what's um, very interesting about him is that before he was on dialysis, he had an accident. And he became a paraplegic. So not only does he have the challenge of kidney disease, but he's also a paraplegic. And we're going to talk to him about that. Hi, I'm Aaron Kinsley, and I'm a kidney patient just like you. I had no idea I was on the road to end-stage renal failure. As we know, there really is no clear sign when your kidneys start to fail. So I urge you to tell your relatives and friends, especially those who are 65 and older, to get a simple blood test to see if they are at risk for kidney failure. The glomerular filtration rate, or GFR, will tell them how well their kidneys are functioning. If their kidneys are failing, you and their doctor can share the many different ways they can live with kidney disease. As we know, it's not fun to find out you have kidney disease. It's even less fun to die from it. To reach So today we're here with Richard Redland, and oh my thank God, you, he's, he's here. right here. Oh my God, we were talking about him, and he's here. I, I know, can't believe it's that. exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming over and sharing your story with us. Boy, thanks. that was pretty, a, a great story there. Well, thanks. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Tell us a little bit about some of the obstacles you've had to overcome, and then, you know, we'll talk about yeah, a little since bit this later is radio, about what, what you people know, don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, they don't know. But this man uh, had a spinal cord injury uh, when he was in his 20s, I believe, correct? That's correct. Yes. Right. And he's, uh, you know, he has to walk on crutches now, which is interesting because tell the story uh, that. Well, the, the thing is, is that I was told by some of the top right. doctors in the country that I would never get out of a wheelchair, wow. that my life as an active guy was over. And, and how old were you at this time? I had just turned 22. Wow. About three weeks ago. And... <laughs> it's like me. The same age as me. Wow, I'm really robbing the cradle here, aren't yes. I? <laughs> and so what I needed to do is really... My external circumstances obviously did not match my internal picture of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really strong point, Lori, for people that are dealing with any type of limitation or any type of challenge in their life. This is something that served me well with the kidney disease that I developed later on in my life as well, which was that if you have a strong vision of yourself, you can actually work to bring your external circumstances more in line with your internal vision. I like to say that when if there's something wrong with your world, look inside, and when you get right inside, the world gets right. Now, 
come on, Richard, you didn't always have that attitude because, I mean, I know how hard it is to have kidney disease, and then you had a spinal cord injury first, and then you got kidney disease. That's correct. Did you think, my gosh, what is, I mean, did you lose faith in God? Did you lose, you know, why is this happening to me? Sure, sometimes I think why it happens to me, but I think that's the wrong question, Stephen. Because when you say, why did this happen to me, you're focusing on the problem rather than focusing on the solution. And it's the solution that's going to get you where you want to go. So rather than think about why I got there, it was more important for me to focus on how I was going to get out and live a life that was more in line with what I wanted for myself. So you had this attitude right from the beginning, though, or did you? You know, actually, I did. Actually, I did. It was as soon as I woke up and I got all the dire predictions, and I was well aware of, them, of my condition. I mean, it was terrible. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was awful. <laughs> How long were you in the hospital? Well, I don't know. I was in the hospital a number of weeks, and then I went to rehab, yeah, and I was had to there, learn how to walk again and, and everything. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. But from the jump, I decided that I was going to come out of this stronger than I went into it. And I believe that that attitude, I think that's important. When faced with a challenge, you need to decide immediately that you're going to win, that you're going to come out of it strong. Otherwise, you're dwelling on the problem. You need to dwell on the solution. Well, you were dealing with the spinal cord injury, and then how much later did you find out you had kidney disease, and what did they tell you? Well, you know, Lori, that's an interesting thing because I had come so far. After the doctor said I was never going to get out of a wheelchair, I did get out of the wheelchair onto long leg braces and crutches and then was able to move off the braces onto a walker and then without any braces and then move off the walker to where I was just walking with forearm crutches alone. And that went on for a number of years. And then I was, I guess I went in to get some standard lab work done at this high tech lab facility that was a rehab facility. And what happened was is that my blood work came back really, my creatinine was really elevated. Now, I had had some problems with stones and obstructions and things of that nature beforehand, so I had already been in the hospital with acute kidney failure that did not require dialysis. We just had some surgery, removed the blockage, and things were fine. And a couple of years later, I found myself in this interview for this high-tech rehab place. They needed to clear any other problems if they were gonna deal with my spinal cord injury. And I had this doctor who was, let's say, the polar opposite of compassionate. And <laughs> I had those. I, I, that's my doctor. And he, he said to me, he said, look, your creatinine is elevated. It's out of sight. And he was only talking about 4.4 or something like that. Wow. And said, look, your kidneys are gone. If you don't get these, your quality of life is crap. Mm-hmm. But he used a stronger word, <laughs> and which we can't use on the radio. Right. Although Lori uses it a lot off camera. Exactly. So I, to tell you the truth, I had come so far. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. being totally right. never going to have a wheelchair to coming all this way to being walking and, and looking for some hope, and then another being, deflated another, balloon. Yes. I got to tell you, Lori, that I just cried my eyes out like a baby driving all the way back down home, PCH. It was this huge blow to me. And then what I did was, is I kind of gathered myself up. Found that attitude found you that had. Attitude, yes. and, and, and I think that's important. It's not a Pollyanna attitude. Right. It's a belief well, and, a, and a trust in the human potential that we all possess. We all have this ability within us. And sometimes we don't know that until we're faced with a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I went on a path of going to different doctors and trying different herbal 
things and Eastern medicine and all kinds. I believe me, I tried everything. I was like Andy Kaufman, you know, and Man in the Moon. Scra- well, no, no, gra- don't say that because he's dead. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, it's interesting because I, that's what they were telling me in a way. You know? That you weren't going to live. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's really strange. And, and, and I knew that there had to be some answers. And, and I went to a number of different doctors. And finally, through a friend, I was recommended to a doctor who is an amazing guy who actually turned out to be the di- medical director of a dialysis clinic. And when I went in to talk to him and I explained my situation, and I think this is important mm-hmm. for any patient that might be listening. He said to me, well, obviously, Richard, you understand your situation much better than most of the doctors you've been to. Mm -hmm. And immediately I had a lot of respect for this guy. And he had respect for me because I had become a pro, I was a very proactive patient. And I could speak his language and I could talk about things and I could use the medical terms. You learned about the illness, right? Yes, absolutely. And I would encourage anyone that's dealing with a problem that their key to solving that problem is self-education. And that's what's so wonderful about the PEP program because it's these patients that are going out and educating other patients and professionals in this very important information to help them live a better quality of life and live a longer, better quality of life. So how long were you on dialysis before you got your transplant? I was on dialysis for eight years. And what kind of dialysis were you on? I was on every kind of dialysis. Wow, even the one with the chocolate syrup and And, everything? And the leeches. (laughs) I I started out with the one with the leeches that would then, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, some people don't Sometimes it feels like it. Uh, I started out on in-clinic hemodialysis and I had a problem with the the graft and then I went on to peritoneal dialysis uh, both doing exchanges and then doing the cycler at home and just as soon as I got used to carrying all that extra dialysate in my belly and for those of you that don't understand the way peritoneal dialysis works what dialysis is, is a cleansing of the blood in a sense, meaning that it removes excess toxins that are from metabolism and also excess fluid from the body because the kidneys, which usually do that job, have failed. In hemodialysis, the blood actually leaves your body and goes through an artificial dialyzer and then comes back into the body. In peritoneal dialysis, the peritoneum is a highly vascular sac that covers our internal organs. And so what happens is, is that cavity that is formed in there is filled with dialysate fluid, and then through a process of osmosis, the toxins and the excess fluids are removed uh, from that highly vascular system uh, system in the sac into the dialysate, and that dialysate leaves the body in an exchange. So, which modality did you prefer other yeah, than and the transplant? Is- well, I actually preferred hemodialysis because peritoneal dialysis, it was really tough to go back to the gym and do crunches and sit ups. I'm very physically active, and, and it was kind of like carrying a bowling ball around inside of me. And just as soon as my brain got used to it, because it is a neurological mm-hmm. thing, your brain gets used to it, I got peritonitis. And then I had to. Uh, to oh, you had through, peritonitis. I had peritonitis. <laughs> oh my lord! And, and, and I had experienced the same amount of pain as I did with my spinal cord injury. So I thought, hey, you know. So we. So I went back to hemodialysis, and then, fortunately, at that point, I was able to do at home hemodialysis, which oh, was well, much no, I, better. At home, as in uh, the next stage machine? Or? Well, well, it was it before, wasn't available then. It, it was before the next, the next stage, stage so machine. I had my own little clinic set up in uh-huh. my second bedroom. Well. Oh my God, this is so interesting. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Richard Redline, or as he's known as Calamity Jane. <laughs> <laughs> to dream 
impossible dream to fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrows to run where the brave dare not go to right the unrightable wrong to be better far to try when your arms are too weary. Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fella to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines. Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed. You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for Taekwondo. Bye, Mom. So we're here with Richard Redland. I pronounced his name Redline before, and I got in trouble. You're you're back to your old self. But you told me how to pronounce it. It's your fault. She's always telling. She's always setting I'll me up the and then blame. correcting me. I have me. big shoulders. So Richard, you were at home. You created this entire like dialysis unit in your bedroom or That's something correct. like that. That's correct. Tell us about that well, and how you got off of dialysis. Well, what happened was is that as I as you said, I did create. A, it's all about taking control of your situation, mm-hmm. and I was able to do that because I educated myself about my situation so I could control it. Which allowed me not only to dialyze at home, but then to be very clear about when I went on the road to dialyze, I was able to have all my labs and talk to the techs and the other people and the nurses and the and the units. You were so, directing your own care. I was directing my own care. <laughs> so this allowed me, I mean, I started working as an actor and came out of theater I, from Chicago, big theater town, and studied there and worked as an actor there and then came out to L.A. and Well, I actually did my first movie in Chicago and then I came out to L.A. and started doing movies and television. So I was able to travel and go on location and actually I'd find a gas station is what I would call it or a recycling center and I would plug in and do my dialysis <laughs> and, and then go work as an actor. And that all came from this idea of taking control. And all the time I was on the transplant list. And Where were you on the transplant list at? Cedar sinai Cedar sinai Now, I have a very important question. Being in the entertainment industry, did you tell people you had kidney disease? No, actually I did not. I did not tell people I had kidney disease. I mean, people around me, because it was interesting. People, A lot of people are very uneducated about kidney disease, which again mm-hmm. is why I really think the PEP program is an important thing because we're out there educating people about kidney disease and seeing that it's not, it's something that we can deal with and still live a normal life. And 
So I wouldn't tell the producers or I wouldn't tell, I mean, I told my, I told my manager when I was diagnosed with kidney disease and you know, gosh, now how did you it, pass it was surprising the, uh... that just a few months mm-hmm. later he was like, didn't have time for me anymore and dropped wow. me. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now how did you pass the movie physicals and the television physicals? Then? Well, fortunately I did not. Or did you lie? Fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> the size of the roles that I have did not demand that I had oh, to do oh. those. Because oh, I know okay. I always would have to pass a physical, and the physical for movies exams were a right. joke. Right. No, it's a joke. Well, Are I'll you breathing? Never, yeah. Yes, okay, you pass. Yeah. But if you check off that you have kidney disease, you right. won't get the job. Right, right, right. yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, that, didn't, that didn't pose a problem well, for me. I, 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 that, I never came across it. Maybe the rules have changed so, or whatever. Well, you got your transplant. How long have you had your transplant? I ushered in the millennium with oh, my wow. transplant 99 to 2000 it was it was great you know everybody everybody was worried about y2k and and the world's gonna end and all of this and they're they're partying like it's 1999 right and you were in the hospital and they're booking the concord to paris and i couldn't get on and i wanted to do something exciting so i got a transplant oh, oh that's fantastic <laughs> so now how did you get your transplant did, were you you were on the list and you got called i was or... on the list i got I was called an otherwise healthy woman in pasadena dropped out of a brain aneurysm and they took her kidney out of her and put it into me and experienced resurrection and took me along for the ride. I mean, it's truly a modern miracle. So tell us, what are you up to now? What's your life like now? Well, uh, since I have a woman's kidney, I'm into fashion now. <laughs> and you look, and, and let me tell you, you look Lori, very Lori fashionable. Now, I want to know, do you she put the toilet seat up. down? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I was on my way here, and and I got pulled over for a ticket, and I cried. Oh my, my gosh! I cried my way out of it. I, it is, <laughs> so I use the male restroom when I have the opportunity. Do you use the female restroom? Because you could you it, could get every, away from every it. Every chance I get, Lori. Okay. Every chance well, we got to watch ourselves here at the hotel. <laughs> but I mean, it's so interesting because I know that that uh, Richard is a, he's a, a hypnotherapist. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a writer. He sells hot dogs at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> that's true. Everything's true. No, actually, Stephen, I do have a short film that's out right now at Method Fest, which is a very hip festival. It's in its ninth year. It's about crystal meth, right? Yes, or? exactly. <laughs> and it, you get little in the little gift bags that you get. Right. The, yeah, they, they have it in there. At any rate, it's it's Method Fest because it's focused on the actor and the performance, mm-hmm. hence the name Method. It's in its ninth year. And I have a short film in there called Legs. And it stars Robert David Hall, who is the plays the coroner on CSI, which is okay. crime scene investigation, the original, mm-hmm. and the one that's set in Vegas. Now, he, he is missing a limb, correct? He actually leg? walks on two artificial legs. Two ar- or, I really? it was one. Oh, it was two. Oh, God. Prosthetics. Yeah. I didn't know that. I should watch TV I know. I knew that he had a prosthetic. I didn't know Does he had Does he play two. that character well, on the show? Well, where what's, he has re- what's really no, great he, about the show is the that one. they never explain what's going on with him, and they never right. even really refer to it. Right. And in that line... Uh, Dave is also the national chair for the Performers of Disability Caucus. And as you know, Stephen, that any actor has a hard time getting a job. And if no. You're, and if, you are, and if, you're a, <laughs> if you're a performer with a disability, it's a thousand times worse. Well, I was determined to change that perception of performer with disability, which is a weak perception, into a powerful mm-hmm. one, which is producer, writer, director. And so I went home and I wrote a short film a very irreverent black comedy about an aging actor who's fallen from grace and he gets one chance to get back on top and how far will he go to get the role of a lifetime. And what I did was I used four different actors who have physical disabilities and used them in able-bodied roles. 
which oh, means wow. that you do not know that these actors have physical disabilities. They are playing able-bodied characters. Oh, you don't know in You have on no film. idea oh, how on screen. Yes. Because the the usual mm-hmm. casting. They always want to cast you with your disability. They either want to cast you with their disability or they take an able-bodied person and stick them in a wheelchair or give right. them a cane or whatever. And they go, oh, what a brave choice. Yes, but, I always <laughs> like it when they get the people who pretend they can't see in a row. Right. Like they're blind and they're like, I can't see. Right. And I'm like, my grandfather was blind and I know yeah. the little idiosyncrasies well, of being well, blind. What's interesting is I have a terrific actor, Lynn Manning, who's an award-winning playwright, spoken word artist. And he's completely blind, former world blind judo champion, uh, silver medalist in Barcelona in the Olympics, just an amazing guy. And I've got him in a scene reading the trades out loud. It's hilarious. And people have no idea that he's blind. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's wonderful. I, yeah, I hate when they limit you because I, I had an audition once for the lead in Malcolm X and they went with Denzel. <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. I don't know if I would have gone there. I think no. I think I might have gone with I think, a, you know, yeah. a slightly overweight Jewish guy could have done the part too. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm interested in... It could be in... Malcolm or, or Mensch, Malcolm Horowitz. Max, Mensch X or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So something I'm really interested in is that you're a hypnotherapist. Are there any things that tips that you can give me on how to hypnotize people? Because yes. that could come in really handy. Right. I yeah, would love you to hypnotize Lori and just, you know, have well, her be more focused. Well, what I found, Lori, is that hypnotherapy is very effective in helping people deal with dialysis. Because when I was on dialysis, I used self-hypnosis and therapeutic imagery to keep myself hemodynamically stable, which is a very big issue in dialysis. People have pressure drops and it's very uncomfortable. I was able to keep my blood pressure stable through hypnosis. And I was also able to, at the time, dealing with the time, you can use time distortion in hypnotherapy. So instead of feeling like you're stuck in this chair for hours and hours and hours and hours, it seems like it goes by in just minutes. Really? I need that. I need that. I need that when the football game's on. It's called warp speed dialysis. Warp speed dialysis. Right. It's very sci-fi-ish. Exactly, yes. I think that's fascinating. I think we're going to have to have a whole show on hypnotherapy. Yeah, that would be great. I'd be happy to come back and yeah, do that. Yeah, that would yeah. be a great show. So we show. can learn some tips and sure, how to hypnotize could, people. Yeah, I could give some people, people are a little afraid exercise. of it, aren't they? Or aren't right, because are... they, have, they feel that it's about losing control. You won't make us be a chicken or anything. Only you? if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> or any other farm animal of your choice. You have been through so much. You're an inspiration. And I think you're going to give so much encouragement to the people out there listening. Tell them. Tell them some advice. Tell them what you would tell any patient sitting in an audience that you're going to be speaking to, what they need to do next if they're feeling down and out. Well, if I was talking to a person who was about to go on dialysis, I would be very straight with them and let them know that... It sucks. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's no fun. It's a hard road, but it is not an impossible road. And you can make the road much, much better if you educate yourself. That is the number one key is to gain as much information and educate yourself about your condition, your particular condition. There's a lot of general information about kidney disease. You need to take that and apply it to yourself specifically. And then you need to, that's gonna reduce your anxiety. And if you reduce your anxiety and your stress level in your body, you're going to reduce those negative effects of the stress and anxiety in your body. And when you become educated, you become knowledgeable. When you become knowledgeable, you become powerful. And when you become powerful, you actually produce these powerful, happy chemicals in your body that are going to help you through your situation. And then from that standpoint, you can learn 
extra things to do like self-hypnosis or imagery or work with a professional is really great to do that to be able to maximize your potential because everybody can do much more than they think they are because everyone is much more than they think they are and i agree with you a hundred percent because your message when you spoke earlier today about the strongest vision wins I could not agree with you more. That's correct. And for anybody that's going to be going into any type of challenge, remember that. What Lori says is true. The strongest vision wins. You're going to be surrounded by a lot of negative people. Don't listen to them. Stay true to your own vision of yourself, which is positive, and that will lead you out of your problem. Well, I have a vision. I have a very strong vision that your short film is going to take off. People are going to offer you a feature film. Right and you're going to become exactly. this big-time producer, and you're going to hire Stephen first to act in your movies. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a plan. Dr. Mr. Shelton's in room three. Thank you. Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton. Ah, yes, doctor. What seems to be the problem today? Um... I'm having a problem not being able to sleep. Really? I also find it difficult to breathe. Can we open a window or turn on a fan or something? Certainly. Uh, let me ask you, do you feel depressed? No, I, I don't think so. But, but I do think my life is worthless, and I don't enjoy things I used to. And I feel like the whole world may blow up. But other than that, not really. That's weird. I also have a problem concentrating. Like the other day, do you know how they get those model ships in those bottles? Actually, I will have a cheeseburger. Of course I can do the Macarena. Oh, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mr. Shelton? M Mr. Shelton! Uh, yes, doctor. You obviously have low energy. That's amazing. How did you know? Mr. Shelton, I believe you're anemic. Actually, I'm half Irish, but my dad knows someone in Armenia. No, our, our anemic. We'll give you a simple blood test and we'll run your hematocrit. It needs to be at least 33%. We'll have you back to normal in no time. Some of the medications we can give you while you're doing your dialysis. Managing anemia results in a more active, happier, better quality of life, and studies show you may even live longer. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Nurse, patient removal, room three. Yes, doctor. Well, I don't know about you, but I was hypnotized by his story. I'm still hypnotized. I still think I'm a chicken. And <laughs> you look like one, too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. No, but what a great guy he is. And uh, he's an actor and director. And a he pep has, speaker. And a pep, great pep oh, speaker. Amazing. And he had to leave the pep program early a little bit one day because his movie was screening in Malibu. I know. It's exciting. And one of the things we did here at PEP was we actually um, took all of the 31 patient speakers and asked them to vote who was the most inspirational. And did he win? He won. Oh my gosh. And what did he win, Lori? He won a gift certificate. 
Oh, great. <laughs> but he won the title of being able to tell everybody that he was the most inspirational patient in a group of 579 years of kidney disease experience. I wow, mean, to be one. voted by your peers that you were the most inspirational. Well, he I is think very inspirational. I mean, can you imagine? There's a lot of people who get, you know, a spinal cord injury and they can't really walk and they'll get just give up and he was so determined and then to be hit with you have kidney disease I know. and so i'm glad he got a transplant and uh he's he's acting he's directing he's singing he's cooking he's doing everything <laughs> and you know he won that award and now his career is going to soar we can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.